You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by ThriftBooks. ThriftBooks.com is the largest online seller of used books in the United States. They pride themselves on offering the lowest everyday price on used books on the web, with over 13 million books in stock. Everything from classic children's books like The Little Engine That Could to the latest thriller by John Grisham. I've used ThriftBooks for over two years now, and I can't recommend them enough. To save 15% off on your first order, plus free shipping on orders of $10 or more, go to thatmusicteacher.com slash thriftbooks. Again, head over to thatmusicteacher.com slash thriftbooks to save 15% off on your first order, plus free shipping on orders of $10 or more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about fostering a positive community in the music classroom. During my field placements in undergrad, I had the amazing experience to observe and teach with some really amazing cooperating teachers. From day one, I was in awe of their knowledge of their content area and their ability to sequence their lessons in a way that made everything they did in their classrooms incredibly purposeful. But as I look back at my time with these teachers, I was blown away with the community that they were able to create in their classrooms. The amount of respect they had for their students was only overshadowed by the the amount of respect the students had for them. Once I got into my own music classroom, I knew that I wanted to have that kind of mutual respect for my students. During my field placements, I noticed that by having this kind of positive community makes students want to do what they're supposed to do and help cut down on needing to implement any sort of negative responses to their behavior. When our students have that intrinsic motivation to succeed and behave well, we as teachers can focus more on the educational aspects of our job instead of feeling like we are putting out fires and constantly dealing with classroom management. My first experiences in a classroom were actually in the lab preschool during my sophomore year of undergrad. I truly believe that ending up in this classroom changed my entire trajectory as an educator. It all started with needing some community service hours relating to education for a class in the education department. I had no idea what I wanted to do, and I eventually gathered up enough courage to email the director of the lab preschool to ask if they had any hours available for me to work for what was essentially an aid position. At this point in my college career, I had never worked with small children, and I will be entirely honest and say I was terrified on my first day. I thought I wouldn't have a clue what to do or how to respond to the students, and I just kind of psyched myself out in the days prior to me starting. But as you can probably guess, the strangest thing happened when I started. I fell in love with it. Everything I knew about education changed at this point. When I had reached the amount of volunteer hours that I needed, I was offered a job in the same position, and I ended up working in that classroom until I started my full student teaching placement years later. I had an amazing teacher that I worked under, and I attribute a lot of what I have learned about building a positive community from her. Regardless of the situation that presented itself, she always responded calmly, logically, and from a a place of empathy. As I began to have more field placement experiences, and as those included me teaching more and more, I began to implement the calmness, logic, and empathy that she modeled for me each and every day. This just felt right to me. I was being completely genuine with my students, and I felt that this approach gave me the confidence to run the classroom when in reality, I still really didn't have any idea what I was doing. (laughs) As I continued working with students, I came across the Love and Logic parenting philosophy on Pinterest. As I read through some of the blog posts and articles, I feel like what it was reading really resonated with me. Even though I'm not a parent, the idea that we love our students enough to set and enforce limits and using logic and empathy to help our students grow 
really struck with me. During the summer before I started my first music teaching position, I read the book Responsive Classroom for Music, Art, PE, and Other Special Areas. I feel like this philosophy went really well with what I already believed, and it helped me take that and create systems and procedures that complemented those beliefs. This book talked a lot about setting routines and procedures that would help students be set up for success, which I instantly fell in love with. If you know anything about me, it's probably that I love having systems in place to make things easier. This text offers practical applications for the music classrooms that allow students to feel as if they are being understood and appreciated. Another huge tenet of this particular book, as well as my own philosophy of classroom culture, is positive teacher language. I first began to understand the power of teacher language back at the lab preschool and undergrad. I began to see that the words that I used to respond to my students really mattered. So here's a situation that I was in a lot when I worked, was working at the preschool. A student would come up to me and show me a drawing they made. If I were to respond, oh, I love it, it's pretty, that's a fine answer. It isn't bad. But what is it really showing the students that I value about the work that they had done? Again, this by no means is a bad response, but we can definitely do better. For instance, if I were to respond with, thank you so much for sharing this with me, I can tell that you spent a lot of time on it and worked very hard. Then the value is being placed on the work that the student had to do in order to create their drawing. In the music classroom, a lot of what we experience is incredibly subjective. I think it's important for us as educators to be aware of our teacher language and make sure that we are placing the value in the right areas. Instead of only placing value on the merit at the end product, I think it's incredibly important to recognize that the student may have had to work really hard to get there. This is a great place to tie in the growth mindset that many administrators are rightly pushing nowadays. I know I keep drawing in bits and pieces of different philosophies, but I just had to share one more. I use a lot of restorative practices in my classroom as well as what I've already shared. Restorative practices, in my mind at least, are all about making sure that the consequences of an action allow a student to take steps to repair any relationship that might have been damaged by that action. For instance, if a student pushes another student down, whether it be by accident or on purpose, I would argue that we should start by having that student make sure the other student isn't hurt and to help them up. I find that when students accidentally hurt one another, such as if we're doing a movement activity and they end up hitting into each other, which let's be honest, it happens, <laughs> they assume that there is no blame because it was an accident. So I use these as teaching moments to show my students that even though it wasn't intentional, someone still got hurt and it is their responsibility to try to help in any way that they can. I don't think that we'll ever have one teaching or classroom management philosophy that'll be perfect. I think it's our jobs as educators to pick and choose what we like and kind of meld that into our own philosophy that works for us. Our students deserve a positive community of learners in the music classroom. When they feel safe, they're more willing to take risks and to try new things. When they feel appreciated, they're less likely to act out. And on a purely selfish note, when our students feel safe, understood, and appreciated, they're more likely to follow our instructions and try new things and put themselves out there. So if you only had one takeaway from this week's episode, I guess I would hope that you realize that your teacher language matters, like a lot. <laughs> Even if you don't intend for something to have the implication that a student receives, it can be there. I urge you to think about the types of phrases that you use with your students and think about the ways that we can empower students through our words in a way that allows them to understand that we genuinely care about them and their time in and outside of our classrooms. Thank you for listening to That Music Podcast. You can check out the show notes at thatmusicteacher.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes as they come out every Wednesday. I'd also appreciate if you left a review as this helps new music teachers find the podcast. Thanks again for all that you do for our kids. I hope that you have an amazing week.